And just want to take a second and thank Policy Genius. They're supporting today's episode of Success Story. I know we all have kids. We all have families we want to take care of. And I personally check something off major on my to-do list, life insurance. It's a tough topic. It's really hard to think about, but it's so important. And the hard part was sorting through all the options. Luckily, I found Policy Genius. Policy Genius is an online insurance marketplace that makes getting life insurance surprisingly easy. With Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies that start at just $292 per year for a million dollars of coverage. Some options offer same-day approval and avoid unnecessary medical exams. Now, knowing my family's protected brings me incredible peace of mind. Don't put off this important decision. Check life insurance off your to-do list in no time with Policy Genius. Head to policygenius.com or click the link in the description to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you could save. That's policygenius.com. Welcome back to another episode of the Success Story Podcast. Today, you're going to hear me on the Business and Lifestyle Legends Podcast hosted by Ben Schneider. We speak about personal brand. We speak about marketing strategy for early stage startups. We speak about organic versus paid, social media marketing, digital marketing. I think we even spoke a little bit about outbound sales. If I remember correctly, I hope you enjoy. There's a lot of stuff we went into. It's about an hour long podcast. But if you are trying to build a business, grow a business, start a business, or just trying to get some new ideas for your marketing strategy, I think you will get a lot out of this. Uh, Let's jump right into it again. This is me on the Business and Lifestyle Leadership Podcast hosted by Ben Schneider. Welcome guys to the Business and Lifestyle Legends Podcast. My name is Ben Schneider. I'm the host of this episode today. And today I got another awesome guest for you guys. He is a career sales and marketing executive. He rewrites the playbook on sales, marketing, brand, and take-to-the-market strategy. From startups to enterprise, he worked with executives and entrepreneurs to 10x their businesses. Sold and marketed to the most iconic Fortune 500 and Fortune 100 brands throughout his career. He, um, his work has also been featured in over 100 plus news sites and publications. He speaks globally at industries, conferences, and has had articles and insights featured in Forbes, Wall Street Journal, Hacker Noon, The Startup, and others. He currently um, runs a global SaaS sales and marketing organization, which is what we are also talking about today. And he is the host of the Success Story podcast, where he interviews inspirational people, mentors, and leaders. Please welcome, guys, Scott Clary. Hey, Scott, how are you doing? Good. Thanks. Uh, thanks so much for having me on. I appreciate it. It's a very, very kind intro that I that I gave you to read. <laughs> No, awesome. Very, it's very kind. It's very kind. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Thanks. You liked it. <laughs> yeah. So awesome that you're here today. So um, you are very deep into the SaaS business um, and we have a lot of people from the SaaS business on this podcast, which is quite interesting for me. As I mentioned, I run a SaaS company by myself and it's also interesting for the people out there because a lot of people think they just need to develop something and put it out and then they can sell it millions of times and basically that could be correct but the truth is mostly a little bit different so um, it will be interesting to see your point of use on the SaaS companies um, by today so what do you think is needed for a 
successful SaaS company or, or for a SaaS company to be successful? So you're you're 100% correct in, in saying the developer's dream is to put out a piece of software, a piece of tech and have all these unlimited customers coming in, never have to talk to customers ever. And all, you know, all the, the Stripe payments are processing and, and, you know, your MRR just keeps climbing and climbing. But in reality, um, if you build it, they generally don't come unless you have truly uh, an incredible product that just through evangelism and, and your own network will gain some momentum or traction. Usually you have to put in some work. Usually you have to build a brand. Usually you have to build out a content marketing machine. You have to build out a true inbound funnel that will drive people to your, to, you know, your landing pages, your website, and eventually convert. And I think that um, if we're going to discuss like how SaaS can be successful, well, I think inbound marketing or demand generation is probably the way it will be successful. Now, what does that look like? Well, there's multiple, there's, there's so many different types of marketing you can spend money on ads, you can spend money and time on SEO rather, uh, you can you know, spend a lot of time on content marketing on social media. Um, I believe that out of all the components of marketing, which you should still be creating, so all the different assets, all the different platforms, all the different things that you can do in the marketing world to drive demand and drive interest and to get eyeballs looking at your product, I do believe that the number one thing you should do is to become a content marketing machine uh, you have to become a media company. You have to be that that company that's putting out on social, podcasts, YouTube, video, audio, everything that is positioning yourself as a subject matter expert, answering the questions of the people that could be potentially purchasing your products. I think that that is where you can differentiate yourself and that is where you can drive a huge amount of demand with relatively zero at like almost almost zero ad budget so relatively inexpensively and i think that the best companies that drive demand are media companies and are, are really strong uh content marketing companies and i look at examples like for example hubspot and mark robert and how he basically flipped the script and didn't even focus on outbound they still had enterprise customers, which isn't the traditional like SaaS self-serve model. Like there is different, you know, you can go up market in SaaS, you can sell to, you know, mid-market and enterprise. But if you want to sell like self-serve SaaS, even then he didn't do any outbound. Outbound is very time consuming. Outbound is very expensive, especially for a customer with a very, you know, a very low lifetime value or a very, a very small monthly recurring revenue, right? If you do outbound for that, it's very expensive. So you have to bring them to you. And I think that acting as a media company putting out a ton of content and positioning yourself as either an individual in the company, a CEO, an executive, or the company itself positioning themselves as a subject matter expert in a certain industry is what wins and is what drives the most traffic and is what creates the most trust and is the highest ROI activity that can you can really use to differentiate yourself. Okay, but it takes time. Um, it does. To put out a lot of con a lot of content as the the SEO machine. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, you need to keep it running, and it takes a lot of time. And maybe it takes you, depending on the niche you are, maybe mm -hmm. six months month or more um, to get traffic out of that. So I think basically starting if you have some money uh, with paid ads wouldn't be the True. the baddest idea. Um, but what do you think? about the enterprise clients you mentioned that uh, in mm -hmm. a little word 
Um, and that was something I was thinking about too, because you can go for the, for the Facebook ads and the Google ads and all that kind of stuff, putting out YouTube videos, doing SEO stuff, which is all great and mm -hmm. needed. 100% agree with you. Um, but I think what people underrate is the, the enterprise level where you are reaching out through the phone, um, selling your product, not through a Facebook ad, you sell it through, through appointments um, or online conversations, uh, explaining the product, showing how it works, but then you might be, uh, yeah, have certain enterprise clients, uh, which pays a lot of more money, who has um, a way better customer lifetime value. Um, so for example, you mentioned HubSpot, for example. Um, you can, you can. I'm not sure what's the lowest um, package of HubSpot, but uh, let's name it, for example, fifty dollars a month. Um, mm -hmm. But there are enterprise clients. Maybe they they pay a thousand or five thousand dollars a month for some stuff. Um, so you need a lot of customers to get from the fifty dollars to five thousand um, and keep them on your platform on a monthly base and on the enterprise level. You, maybe you need only one customer. Um, mm -hmm. So what do you think about that, about the yeah. enterprise machine? So you made a couple good points. So let's just touch on those briefly. So I want to make sure that we're synced up because you are right. To kick off any marketing effort, you will have quicker conversions with paid. And this isn't talking about enterprise yet, but yes, 100% correct on that. And my point to that is don't, don't forget about the content marketing don't forget about the seo and just go into paid ads because it is it doesn't have to be the sustainable source of revenue for your top of funnel or your inbound so as you maybe kick off for the first six months you're paid and then of course then you're you're building up your content marketing machine you're seoing your website you're putting out content there you're putting out content on social and then the residual effects of all that effort over six months or a year will basically drive more traffic than most people would be comfortable spending for paid ads. But now for the enterprise side, so you're also correct in saying that for enterprise, you do need outbound. You need an outbound sales, a pure sales outbound cadence. You need people reaching out to customers. You need, you need them running, you know, seven to 15 touch point outbounds across phone, email, LinkedIn. But uh, the modern B2B buyer, and this is going to go back to content marketing. The modern B2B buyer does 70 to 80% of the research before they even talk to a sales rep, but they talk to an SDR or an AE. So if you are selling into enterprise, it's a very complex sales cycle. The buyers are very educated. They're very smart. And if you do not focus on building the same type of content and the same type of brand on social media and on all these different outlets that create top of funnel and drive top of funnel customers, for like a smaller MRR or a self-serve product, that same content builds trust in your brand that an enterprise customer will research, will see when you do outbound, when, when your SDR reaches out on LinkedIn or email, they will investigate, they'll do the research, they'll build the trust because now they're seeing all the content that you're putting out there, they're consuming your brand, they're consuming your videos, they're consuming your social, they're consuming their blogs. So when you actually have a conversation with an SDR, that's a much warmer conversation. So yes, you're correct. You still do have to do outbound. You have to do a fair amount of outbound, but the content marketing that can drive for the smaller customers, like that self-serve revenue, that works very well as well to build trust at an enterprise level, which I think you have to do. 
and that's you mentioned HubSpot. HubSpot was your example. Um, HubSpot isn't a self-serve product for enterprise. It is a self-serve product for some of the smaller customers. You said at the fifty, hundred dollar, you know, monthly recurring revenue level. But for enterprise, they're using that same content that drives all of their smaller customers to just reinforce their brand, so that when they're when they do enterprise sales and they do outbound sales, the people that are buying the product are just much more comfortable. They've already heard about them, and they also they also use that content marketing to draw leads for enterprise as well. But of course, it's more of a nurturing cycle for enterprise than it would be for like a a quick like one-off sale for a for a fifty dollar like recurring revenue product. So I think that I think that my whole point would be to, regardless of what market you're selling into, um, focus on content marketing for long term because it can benefit both of any any market that you're selling into. It can benefit your self-serve. It can benefit your mid-market. It can benefit your enterprise. And I think that going heavy on content. Um, and content marketing isn't just SEO. It's also the stuff you put it on social. Like you're recording a podcast. You probably take this podcast. You're, you're probably putting it across your social. You're, you're building your brand that way. Companies should act like that. They should be creating this media that they can use in their content marketing strategy that can create trust in their brand. And then if you want to talk about, for example, targeting and what type of content you should make in, in reference to the targeting or the ideal customer profile, or the personas that you want to sell to, well, the content that you should be creating should again be answering questions that your your ideal customer profile or your target customer profile or your buyer persona would be asking. Because if you record podcasts and you want to sell to you know a VP marketing, and the conversations in the podcast sort of revolve around questions that a VP marketing would be asking or problems that a VP marketing would be trying to solve for in their day to day job, and you put that content out there. Now you have content that's tailored to the prospective buyer, and that works at any level. That's good content for again enterprise all the way down to, to like you know B to C yourself. I, I think it's also important what you mentioned um, about the recording uh, of the content. So what you mentioned, um, let's make an example here with our podcast. What we are going to do, we record this podcast. You're listening maybe right now or you're watching on YouTube or you see a snippet on social media. So we record the video, we take the video, we can upload it on YouTube. We um, take the audio file, we can upload it on iTunes for a podcast. We cut it and take it, uh, create snippets, we call it uh, short snippets, and post it on YouTube, uh, uh, not YouTube, um, LinkedIn, maybe Twitter, Facebook, uh, Instagram, TikTok. So you have, you have uh, maybe 30 minutes of recording, but you have 20, 30 times uh, content pieces to use. Um, and this is how, th this is the only way you can create massive content because you cannot um, create any single content piece. You cannot create 100 YouTube videos or 100 uh, social snippets, one minute snippets. That's too much work because mostly you are an entrepreneur and you are, your daily business is not mm -hmm. recording some videos. Your daily business is uh, managing your team, um, having calls with some people and all that kind of stuff. Uh, or maybe like I do, you have to manage several companies. Um, so you cannot record the whole day. And that's why it's important yeah. uh, that you do the content recycling. Would you agree with that? A hundred percent. And that's actually the strategy that you just mentioned. I've spoken about the strategy on podcasts as well, because not only do I 
personally use that strategy. So I record podcasts and I chop them up and then I, you know, I put them, like you just mentioned, you have video, you have audio. I've even taken it and turned to a blog post. Um, then you put into like five, 10 minute segments and you put it across all your other social. You can even do like short clips and put them on like reels or TikTok or YouTube shorts or Snapchat stories or whatever it's called. Um, that's, that's the easiest way to create content at scale. And we're talking about an entrepreneur doing this. The reason why I brought up content marketing and being a media company and putting all this stuff out originally is because I see a lot of businesses, large businesses, 500 employees, 1,000 employees, 10,000 employees that totally miss the mark on how to do content marketing properly. Even in 2021, HubSpot, which IPO'd, I can't remember which year, it was a while ago, they are still one of the gold standards for content marketing. People haven't picked up on it. If any business had the same perspective on social media and content marketing that, for example, Gary Vaynerchuk had, they would be exponentially more successful in their industry. They would be a category leader instantaneously. Um, some companies do this quite well, not just HubSpot. Like Even like Salesforce does this incredibly well with content marketing. But how many companies are pulling in like hundreds of millions of dollars, if not billions of dollars in revenue and just don't get it? They just don't do it. You look at their social media. I, as an individual, probably yourself as well, you put out more content than some enterprise customers with like a 50-person marketing team, a 50-person plus marketing team. So my point is, this is, social media is a great equalizer. Social media allows the entrepreneur for relatively no money at all, just perhaps time, strategy, process, and a couple tools to create content at scale that can rival the quality and the cadence of an enterprise company and then sell to their customers. That's incredible because no, it, no other point in history could you have that amount of eyeballs looking at your company virtually for free, leveraging again, perhaps some SEO on your website, but also content on social. Because normally you'd have to buy billboards, buy radio ad spots, buy TV spots. That was not affordable for the average entrepreneur, bootstrapping entrepreneur. So now everything has changed. There's been a paradigm shift in what we have access to and how we can leverage and scale ourselves. Because like I said, you, you do it as well. You put out more content than some billion dollar B2B brand. And you probably put out better content that people actually like to listen to. And if people didn't know you were a one-man shop, they would probably buy from you for a product that a large enterprise B2B organization would sell because they trust you. They know your face. They know what you're all about. And that is incredibly impactful and something that people still don't quite get. And it's hard to shift an organization's mindset to basically the future of media and the future of marketing. But the sooner you do it, the sooner you will differentiate and, and you will you will disrupt your entire category, whatever category that is. Uh, one point I cannot really agree with you is that it's for free um, mm -hmm. because content marketing is not for free. So if you uh, maybe um, you go to an agency and they should do that for you, they cost tons of money. Um, mm -hmm. Or True. if you do it in-house, which you can do, what we're also doing, but you need a team. So you have three, four people who are involved with that. You have a designer, for example, who has designed some creatives. Um, you have maybe a texter, mm -hmm. uh, a writer who is creating blog posts, something like that, or scripts Copy, or anything yeah. like that. Um, you have a videograph who is cutting all that kind of stuff. Um, you maybe need someone who is recording it 
if it's not you. Um, so basically, I cannot really agree that it's uh, it's for free because it's not. So ba basically, you can so do the, it uh, for yeah. free if you are a solopreneur and have enough time for that. But the reality, I think, it's um, it it costs money, and I think the problem maybe. Be because a lot of, I think a lot of companies tried it and then they stopped because there was, mm -hmm. it was not, yeah, there was not that revenue like in PPC campaigns or anything like that because you need to put in a lot mm -hmm. of work and you need to put in the work for maybe one, two, three years uh, and then yeah. you will earn yeah. what you planned before. Uh, and I think that's, that's maybe the problem why the, those big companies are not doing it um so you're one you're 100 right yeah. they should do it but i think most of the people give up i i think they may give up i think they may uh, listen i've worked in large organizations the general mindset of people that work in the organizations is we know what works we've gotten to a certain point doing what works why would we radically shift our perspective on how to do things and to be honest, there's so many layers in a large company, it's very hard to change the minds of several stakeholders, which is why you see companies that don't have all those layers, all that red tape, they just do whatever they want. And yes, you're right. There is, there's a, there is a cost to hiring somebody to write copy and to do design. I guess my point was that it's much cheaper than for example, if you were trying to buy a Super Bowl, ad, <laughs> which you could not do, but you can, but you can hire Fiverr. You can go to Upwork, right? And that can let you compete at the same level. So in terms of or buying you, media for, for or interrupting, media, or you yeah. go to Jobmify, which is our platform, uh, which is also a job search platform. Oh, okay. So I didn't <laughs> yeah. even know you can do that yeah. as well. So, so your platform yeah. or like an Upwork or a Fiverr, like there's so many options that you could, you could do it. Uh, if you had a good paying, if you had a well-paying job, a high-paying job, say you're making 100k or 150k, um, you have some budget to play with where you could hire freelancers that could do a lot of this stuff for yeah. you. So that's that's what I mean. But normally, the person who's making 150 thousand dollars a year, if they want to start a company, they can't compete with TV spots. They can't do that. They can't do, and it wouldn't make sense for them to do that. And even like the the paid ads, like you know. It depends on which platform you're going on. Like Facebook, and Facebook is probably the best for for B two C. If you want to go into like B two B and you want to play with like LinkedIn paid ads that have like you know great targeting options, you could be looking at like, geez, like seven seven dollars like CPC, like ten dollars CPC. Like it gets very expensive very quick. So I guess it was point being, it's the cheapest of all the options that that still lets you compete. Yeah. So. Um... To give to give you guys an imagination, um, we are on Shopify. As you didn't know that, uh, we're a job search platform. So we compete with uh, platforms like Fiverr, Upwork, OnlineShops.ph, and uh, I had some talks uh, with CEOs of that companies, and six figures a month in ad spend is nothing for them. It's nothing. Yeah. So. So they, they spend a lot, especially Fiverr right now is spending a lot of uh, money on ads and PPC marketing. And um, I think that uh, that's uh, also what you wanted to say. It's way cheaper to gain social media channels. Yeah. Um, it, it takes a lot of time. Um, but then when you have, have that audience in your circle, 
yeah, you can you can spread out your word and um, make some sales, and then it's much more cheaper um, than putting PPC marketing or anything like that. I think it's always a combination. It's not only content or only PPC yeah. marketing or only Facebook ads True. or something True. like that. Um, today it's different. It's uh, multi-channel. You need to be everywhere and you need to put in yeah. some ads, I think, especially in the beginning. So, um, because if you, if you put mm -hmm. out some educational videos, uh, as you mentioned, which is 100% true, but the problem is, you have recorded those videos, you have put in the work, you have a great videograph, for example, and stuff like that. So uh, these videos uh, cost you a little money, but then nobody's going to see it. Because if you are new right yeah. now, you're founding a company, and I think on our Chop, uh, on our YouTube channel, we have around 300 subscribers on Chopify, so this is quite nothing. Yeah, if, it's, it's if we, tough. It's tough exactly, to get it off the ground. If we put a video out right now, yeah, we get 100 to two, three, 400 views maybe, but this is nothing in this world. So what is the only option you have? You can put ads on it and try to spread it into your uh, target audience and try to get subscribers, but the subscribers you will not gain by this video. You will gain it by playing another mm -hmm. video, showing another video. And this you have to do, I don't know, six months, 12 months, um, and then your yeah. audience will grow. What do you think about that? I think you're right. And I think it's, I think, so if you're gonna, if you're gonna do this properly, um, you're using ads to get a little bit of momentum at the start. And you can always, like, listen, I have nothing, I sound like I'm like against paid ads. I've always used paid ads to some extent, and I've always used it to test material quickly, right? If I want to see what type of content resonates with an audience, if I want to get people to sign up for a webinar, if I want to get people to test a, a new product that we just launched, like, I want volume quickly. And if you build a community, which you do on social, it takes a ton of time. So there is a place for paid ads. But what I would say is do it, do it intelligently. So you're using paid ads to, of course, position your company, to sell a product, to perhaps even build a following on different social media platforms so that you can leverage those. But then while you're doing that, of course, you, you want to also be cross-promoting. So if you're building and you're paying ads and you're putting out content on different social media platforms, like even something as simple as cross-promoting and asking followers on one platform to connect on other platforms, if you continuously put that out there and you put that messaging out there, then you start to see like a multiplier on your on your efforts. So it's just about being smart about it. And if you are spending the money and you are investing the time and the energy and hiring people to create content, it's just about where are you spending your time and how can you leverage, like you mentioned your strategy for creating content. It's all about leveraging yourself to the, leveraging yourself as much as possible. So if you have that piece of content or you have these paid ads, how can you leverage that for other things? How can you leverage one audience for other social media platforms? How can I leverage a one piece of content for 50 different pieces? So just it's just about leverage and just about being smart. So I guess if you if you know where you want to end up and you know that you want content marketing, you want um, you want social to be part of your long term strategy, which I think is smart, then build it purposefully while you're initially scaling your business through PPC paid ads like on you know Google, Bing, social, whatever, um, because that will just then there'll be this almost like this. Uh, this breaking point where all of a sudden you'll notice that more revenue is coming in from organically than what was coming in from your say $5,000 a month paid ad spend or your $10,000 a month paid ad spend. And that's the point when you know that you've hit this critical mass on social and you can choose to either 
double down on paid if you'd like, or you can double down on social because now you have some money coming in essentially for free. So now your profit margin on that money or that customer is much higher because you didn't have to pay to acquire them. But that does take time for sure. It takes, yeah, you're right. Probably takes a year, year and a half to see that, see that ROI on investing into like social or to content marketing. Um, SEO is always a time, very, very time consuming. But you know, every time I've really focused on it, I've never regretted. I've never regretted the long-term impact of even, you know, <laughs> writing, writing more blog posts every single week. Like it seems silly, but people just, if you're an entrepreneur, you're like, oh, I don't want to write again. Like, just do it. Like, just do it. And in a year from now, you will thank yourself for doing it. You'll, you will thank yourself for doing it, excuse me. Um, even if you don't see the immediate impact or the immediate effects. And I think in a large organization, that's a little bit easier to manage those, um, those mental setbacks because you have an organization supporting you and you have a, a set strategy and a set structure for how you want to market your company. But as an entrepreneur, if you don't see the immediate if you don't see, you tweet something and nobody likes it, you write a blog post and you don't see an increase in traffic that week. It's hard, it's, it's mentally hard to continue to do something that you don't see immediate returns in doing. But from people that have done it before, listen, like just maintain that pace and then the long term, I think it will pay off for you. Yeah, 100% uh, agree on that. What do you think about um, some background stuff so what i mean is mm -hmm. we always talk and also gary v and uh, all people are talking about put out content put out content take your smartphone make a video and put out okay but what about um seo optimizations um mm -hmm. formatting backlinks uh, stuff like that what about yes. uh, youtube youtube seo um, with a title, with the keywords, mm -hmm. all that kind of stuff. So people maybe are possible are able to to record something or to write a blog post, but they are they don't know how to create backlinks or anything like that. What do you think about that machine? So I think that actually, um, when we're talking about this, when we're talking about content marketing, I didn't really touch on SEO, but it is important to not forget about SEO on YouTube or on your website in terms of even like your headers, your page speed, um, getting backlinks, using, for example, Harrow to get some backlinks from some high ranking domains. Um, the reason why is because uh, social media is very noisy. So social media should be part of your strategy, but it shouldn't be everything. So if you are not focusing on SEOing your site, and to be honest, you're like, if you don't know what SEO is, I would recommend you do what any entrepreneur, any entrepreneur successful does and go, go figure it out. Go take a free course, go watch Neil Patel on, uh, on YouTube. Like you can figure it out pretty simply. Like SEO is not actually that complicated, but if you, but if you look at the amount of traffic that's coming from various social media platforms, like SEO SEO is really hasn't um, ever deteriorated in the impact on the business. Whereas if you go on Facebook or if you go on um, Instagram, a lot of time spent there is it, it's going to be hard to build a community. Uh, your organic reach is limited right now. If you have a product that you can sell on TikTok or if you can use it in short little video segments on reels or YouTube shorts, then you can build a, an audience. LinkedIn is also good for B2B because it's still 
has a pretty good organic reach, meaning that you don't you when you post something, a lot of people see it. You post something on Instagram, very few people actually see it. So there's so many people creating content. So um, actually, if you have a really visual product, I would actually suggest you check out Pinterest as an option because you can still get pretty good organic reach on Pinterest but that, in terms but, of social media. But, the, uh, but, uh, but SEO always works. Um, yeah, no, go ahead. Sorry. Because Pinterest, I also talked. Um, last week with with someone about pinterest pinterest is great for getting traffic but the traffic is not converting <laughs> so yeah oh really so i've never I've, i don't know pinterest that well uh, i just know that it's one of the the highest traffic yeah, it's, traffic it's awesome uh, it's awesome you can get traffic from pinterest but you need to have a huge retargeting machine um on google ads and facebook mm. ads and all that kind of stuff because the pinterest traffic right in that moment is not converting um, because you're not in the mood to to buy something when you're on pinterest you are mm -hmm. for researching how to i don't know optimize my garden or 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 doing doing some or like a redecorate a home like or that. something or uh, recipes exactly there's all this nice stuff but or even clothes clothes like e-com would be probably good on pinterest but you're right i have no idea uh, what the conversion yeah. rates are like probably LinkedIn would probably be your best conversion rate if you can maybe. drive traffic from LinkedIn. It's all targeted. Maybe that, buyers, right? that that was what I meant. Um, it's it's a whole machine. It's not uh, an, a one channel yeah. target on LinkedIn and then it will explode. It it's a machine retarget on Instagram, retarget on Facebook, acquire on YouTube, stuff like that. So, but what you're saying is very stressful for an entrepreneur yeah, starting out. So. That's why there's 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 levels to this, right? So I would say I would say writing blogs, do a little bit of research into, and I guess I you know it really the conversation and the stuff that I'd be telling you depends on who the person is and and where they are in their entrepreneurial venture. Or the conversation I'd be having with you would be very different if we were talking to only a VP marketing and trying to get them because it because a VP marketing would already have been bought into SEO most likely. More, more, more VPs of marketing have been bought into SEO, which has been around for quite some time, obviously, versus putting out a lot of content on social. But for an entrepreneur, they're going to have to look at both because perhaps they don't know either that well. So they would have to research SEO, do a little bit of blog writing, a little bit of backlinking on their website, um, but then simultaneously have like a pretty good content strategy. So you're right. It is a machine. So whatever parts of the machine you haven't figured out yet, that's what you want to explore. That's what you want to research. If you're just going heavy on social and you're not writing a single piece of content on your blog, on your website, that's not good either, right? If you're just going heavy on social on your website and you're not doing any outbound, well, that's a, that's a level that you should add on. You should be running outbound on LinkedIn via email if you have time or you can hire people on, <laughs> on your platform or otherwise to do some cold calling, some outbound uh, calling. That's also important. So you're right. You do have to have an idea of how sales and marketing align, how they work together, the different components of each. And then I think the, the high level with this, regardless of what you're good at or what you're not good at or what you want to add on to your business or what you want to try out if you haven't been doing it yet, is that just make sure, it seems simple, but just make sure that everything you're doing, it speaks to each other. So when you're sending out a message on LinkedIn, when you're sending out an email, the messaging, the tone, the things you're discussing, that has to align with your content strategy. That has to align with the blogs that you're writing on your website. And that lack of alignment also really hurts organizations.
So if and it definitely hurts entrepreneurs, but it, it hurts organizations. So if you don't have that alignment, if the the discussions you're having when you're doing outbound sales and you're reaching out to say again like a VP marketing or a CEO or whatever, if they're not aligned with the content that you're putting out on social and the content that you're writing about on your blog, you're misaligned. And that means that the buyer, when they're doing research, the content you're putting out, all this work, all this branding is not going to resonate with them. So again, identify, identify who your ideal customer profile is, identify who your buyer persona is, and then everything you do in your entire business has to be targeted towards that, that model, that person, that persona. And then I think that that's, that's like a good North star to, to sort of go towards when you're trying to market anything, create anything, write anything, produce anything. Um, and I think that that's something, just make sure you know who you're selling to, which it seems silly, but sometimes when you, you start a business, you want to be like jack of all trades, master of none, or, and you, you just try and sell to a variety of people. And you don't actually think about who could be the best possible client or, or you make a guess, but you don't actually know. So usually a, a good piece of advice for founders is go sell, go sell 50 of your product, go sell 50 of your widget. And after you sell 50 of your widget, first of all, never hire a VP of sales before you sell 50 of your widget, because that means you don't even know if you have product market fit for your product. But at an early stage, sell 50 of your widget, look at your customers, build a persona or a profile of your target customer from those first 50 sales. And then that's how you, you, you know, now start creating content. You start creating your social content. You start writing blogs tailored to that persona that you discovered in your first 50 sales. And then also for your outbound, that persona is now who you're going forward. You're going to start targeting. Um, that's, that's probably the best advice for somebody trying to figure out what to do because there's so much you can do. So just sell 50 of something and then use that to drive everything else because you need that model to be successful or else you're just going to be spinning your wheels. Yeah, 100% uh, agree. Um, so uh, incredible tips for you guys. Um, a little note, we had also Neil Patel on the show here uh, for some SEO mm -hmm. insights. So if you're interested in that, guys, um, you can listen to that episode. Um, what do you think... Uh, because we also spoke uh, or I was also speaking to, to a lot of people about personal brand and company brand and what is easier because there is no relationship to company mm -hmm. brands. So it's easier to build a personal brand and stuff like that. But there are a lot of people out there. They won't be in front of the camera or or I don't know um, what I'm uh, but uh, obviously you need to have a brand and um, you yeah, you need to, to spread the brand and um, stuff like that. So what do you think about um, being in, in on articles, on newspapers, on magazines and stuff like that? And the problem mm -hmm. is mostly you cannot get there for free. So I, I, I can be on every magazine by tomorrow yeah. if I just pay for it. Um, and what do, you, what do you think about paying for those articles because the articles itself will not drive you tons of traffic um, in in most cases maybe a little bit but but maybe they the articles itself are not worth paying to five thousand dollars for it uh, I, I think mm -hmm. uh, I'm not 100 percent sure but but I'm, I'm no I, I don't I don't uh, I don't believe that it's worth it um, so, so if you, so there's a few tools that you can use, like, so I use press hunt or Harrow. So press hunt and Harrow, um, basically are aggregators of, of journalists 
requests for commentary on certain topics and you can filter. So in terms of free, that's the closest you're ever going to get to free unless you've done something incredible with your life. But I would definitely check those out because I have gotten featured in in pretty notable publications. Like I got a Wall Street Journal publication. Uh, it was like like two or three people that were in the article, but I got a mention and I got a backlink from uh, WSJ just by responding to um, Harrow. And actually that's an acronym for help a reporter out. So those are two services that I would suggest you use. Can you pay for placements? Yes, you can. Um, I don't really see the benefit. I don't ever see like, like the thing is, if you are incredible at your job, if you're doing incredible work, if you're actually impressive, people will find you. People will always find you and people will write stories about you. It may take a little bit longer, but people will discover you. And I actually think that it's better to spend more time on social building a brand so that people can discover you. I can tell you right now, I've gotten infinitely more podcast invites, speaker opportunities just from LinkedIn than I have from any press mention that I've ever gotten. Nobody really reads press and is like, I want to book, I want to book Scott. But if they see me again and again and again showing up on LinkedIn and they like that content, that's when I get booked for a speaking gig. Um, so, uh, I say it's not worth it. Um, and it's also not worth it because if you do spend, say you spend like, I, I've been pitched this a lot. I get these DMs all the time. Like, do you want to be listed in this top 10 entrepreneur list? It's going to go on Forbes or whatever. In my opinion, like people see through that stuff. People look into these people like there's no way these are like the top 10 entrepreneurs. Like it looks a little bit shady. It looks a little bit sketchy. Like you're with 10 other people that also look like they haven't really done too much with their life, to be quite honest, compared to like what an actual Forbes story looks like when somebody really impressive does something really incredible. And you can tell because there's a whole article about them. But to be put in these lists that I've seen that people have pitched to me, I don't really see the value in it. And if there is somebody who sees it and is like, oh my God, that person was in Forbes and they actually take a second to go and interview you, if you are paying for exposure, you better be damn well ready to back up how impressive Forbes makes you look. You better be really strong on one subject or have accomplished something or be able to educate on something that Forbes is speaking about. Because in a, in a, in a five minute conversation with somebody, I can tell very quickly whether or not they have any experience in the actual subject that they've said they have experience in. And every, that's going to like, everybody's going to pick up on that. So if you can't actually talk about what Forbes says you're famous for after paying 5,000 bucks or whatever it is, then I would definitely stay away from it because it's going to do you more harm than good. And if you are that good at it, just talk about it a lot on social media. And then those outlets will eventually contact you anyways. And then you don't have to spend 5,000 bucks for, in my opinion, like it's, it's just throwing money down the drain. So that's my opinion. On I, I, th I think um, it's just yeah. um, more to, to put the, the logo on the website and I'm known from Forbes and Wall Street Journal and stuff yeah. like that. And this might be impressive. Um, but I think for the SaaS companies, 
this is not that necessary so it's nice to have but it's not that necessary i think it's more maybe if you are in the coaching business and you need to impress people with your car and also where you have been mentioned in uh may, but may see that's them. like no, not no, a good vibe no, uh, anyway. i'm 100 with you but no no but so then I, maybe I don't... it has an impact for your yeah. business but if you have on your if we put now we are mentioned on forbes or not nobody yeah. will buy our product more or or less i think no you're right and actually that's something that i've thought about like i like I, I've bought into, you know, everything that people have done to brand themselves. Like you look, like if you look on my, on my uh, LinkedIn right now, like it says that I've been featured in Forbes and WSJ and like, those are actual features. I have to see how that's perceived by the market. Does that actually impact me? Because I'm not selling coaching. I'm actually working in a job. Does that get me more publicity or not? Now they're not paid spots. So like, I'm proud of them, but I don't know. You know, I don't know how it impacts the the image or whatnot. I think if you're proud of what you do, just own it. But I don't see any benefit in, I really don't see any benefit in paying for it. I don't think it, you know, I'm just thinking through it now. Like if, if, if a really great article features you, yeah, show it off to the world because that's impressive. And the people that write those articles, they do, they speak to tons of people. And if they choose you to, you know, feature, they obviously value your insight. And that's probably like a, a litmus test for, is this something that I should talk about? Because somebody else valued my insight and they speak to tons of people. So they had other options. But if you're paying for it, then you're basically fast tracking any due diligence that a third party would have on your opinion. Yeah. And that doesn't really, that doesn't yeah, help and anybody. I'm not sure if um, being featured in some online magazines is that that awesome like uh, it would have been 10 years ago because uh, I, I think may, may, maybe, right, it's, yeah. maybe it's <laughs> the circle or the people around me, but I think... I'm not sure, but more than 50% of my interview guests are featured on Forbes. And uh, so, 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 it's, so, <laughs> well, so basically, well, to be honest, that, um, I, I'm not yeah. yet featured there, but, but, Less exclusive. Uh, but, but it's not that, uh, yeah, what you're saying, it's not that exclusive, like maybe 10 years ago, because they also, these magazines also yeah. put out tons of content. So they not, do not put out one article a day. They spread maybe 10 or 20 articles yeah. a day. And um, so it's maybe easier to get there in, and then it's not that special if you are uh, featured on that. I'll give you another example. I'll give you, I'll give you a personal example. So when I got my MBA, across all my social media, I put MBA after my name. So I was very proud of it. It didn't take me long to figure out that nobody really liked that. And it just had like a really, really bad vibe attached to it. So it's on my LinkedIn, because it's a professional site, whatever. I want people to know there, and it's a good, I think it's a good look on LinkedIn, but it's not anywhere else just because you have to, you have to understand the lens that people look at you through. So there's a, there's a fine line between being impressive and then showboating or gloating. And I think that it's okay to be impressive, but you can also prove that you're impressive by the things that you say and the actions that you take and the things you discuss and, and speak about. And also the results that you achieve in your career or your life or your coaching and it's and if you achieve incredible results in a business or if you achieve like if you if you're say you're consulting and you bring a company from two million to ten million dollars like maybe figure out your ndas if you're allowed to speak about it but that's a really impressive story and that's something that i would start to try and highlight versus just logos because people like if you do a case study about what you actually did to get from point a to point b that's going to resonate with people a lot more than just putting logos on, you know, 
on a website. Yeah. So it, I think that's a, it's something you should think about if you're trying to do personal branding and it's, and it's not easy because you have that, you have that internal, that internal like need to validate yourself all the time. So I think that half the time when we, when we self brand, we're almost validating like our own, our, our own, um, what's the best way to put it? Like we want to seem like we're good enough to compete in the world. So we say that we've done this and we showcase that we've done that and we put a logo on our site. Um, but at the end of the day, nobody really cares. It's really just, what you've actually done, not what logos you've been associated yeah. with. So there's something to be yeah, said for that too. Uh, I think that's something related to that coaching business industry that grew in the past years because everybody is putting himself on a pedestal and and mm -hmm. showing their cars and all that kind of stuff. Um, but tons, tons, yeah, tons of like people have not really an own business. Um, or a good running business, they, uh, I, I have the feeling, maybe I'm wrong, but, but I have the feeling that most of the coaches out there uh, were not able to run a real business. So they wanted to help people out there running their business. Mm. Um, and I think that's, uh, that's not how it should be, but that's my personal imagination of that. Well, no, I think, I think, um, I, I personally, I have, I like, I have mentors in my life, but I don't like, subscribe to a certain coach. Um, but I think that if I was ever going to search for somebody to help me with something, I'd want them to show me examples of how they've done it themselves before. And I think that's actually, you know, I'm, I, I have a podcast too, and I've brought uh, people on that are, are coaches, but I've made sure that they have some documented achievement in their life that allows them to teach what they're teaching. Because there is a benefit in somebody who's done it before, who's gone through an exit, who um, uh, one guy I had on, he had built up his own uh, real estate brokerage to a very impressive amount. I can't remember. It was like in the hundreds of millions of dollars in, in assets under management. Um, so he has done this before. So he's qualified, in my opinion, to teach somebody else to replicate the steps that he took. But you're right. I, I don't agree with the, the lifestyle coaching, the not the lifestyle, but like the the showboating, the lifestyle, the cars that like, it's honestly very stupid because not one of those people that actually, if you, if you hire, if you ever hire a coach for whatever reason, and you're trying to do your due diligence, if he has pictures of, or she has pictures of, uh, exotic trips, sports cars, whatever it may be, don't hire that coach. Just do yourself a favor because people that have incredible success who have a lot of money, who for some reason still want to work, they're not posting their Lamborghinis on Instagram or whatever. And there's a few people that, that I think started that phase. And I, I would say that um, it's almost like personal branding on steroids. I see a lot of people that put like Forbes on their LinkedIn and that doesn't really matter to me. But the people that drive around in luxury cars and are just totally like, they're, like their personalities are next level like their personalities they have to have like really really flamboyant personalities or else they probably wouldn't sell but they're selling with the personality and maybe they do have some experience but i can guarantee you if they're coaching and they're trying to flex on you with these like luxury goods they've never really been that successful in the thing that they're coaching before they started coaching it or else they wouldn't be coaching that way i i know people that do ad, ad, advisory for startups I know people that are VCs and investors 
and people that work at startup incubators, like these people that work in these environments are generally considered to be like in the upper echelon of business success, right? People that have exited, people that have done incredible things that allows them to like work 10 hours a week just because they enjoy working with entrepreneurs, but they're sitting on 10 million, 20 million, $50 million from their last exit or whatever. Or they worked in a startup as an early stage employee and helped grow that company. And then they, they exited and they had some equity and they cashed out. Like those people aren't doing that stuff. I, I know the type of entrepreneur you're referring to. They're not doing that stuff. They're not showing their car. They don't care. They have nice ass cars. They have a super nice house, but they're not showing that stuff on Instagram because when you, when you speak with them, what they're teaching you, you instantly know what level they've operated at. And they can probably speak to operating at various levels of an organization, of a company, of, of building a business, right? They can speak to when it first started out, how to bootstrap, how to even hire like, uh, you know, part-time contractors, how to scale, how to look for funding, um, how to grow a sales team, how to grow a marketing, uh, you know, marketing organization, all the different pain points that they've gone through as they've grown their company. And then you can really understand if they've been successful when they start speaking about, you know, best practices for negotiating with potential investors or how to exit, or if they've ever gone public, if they've gone through that process or gone through an acquisition, they'll, they'll, the things they'll speak about will be much different than the person who has Lamborghinis on Instagram. So it's an entirely different conversation, but the second you have a conversation with both, you'll understand why the person who is not flashy, who has success and who is associated with a network of venture capitalists, investors, or, or, or people that like to work with startups, usually that's, that's generally like the sexy place where, you know, ex, uh, ex employees or ex founders like to work. Um, it's a very different conversation than somebody who is like a sales coach or a marketing coach, um, on, on social, for example. So yeah, it's, it's not, it's not great. It's, I don't like when personal branding goes that far. And I think that's the only way they sell themselves because what's the one, what's the one differentiator between somebody who is very rich, very wealthy, and very successful, actually successful versus somebody who isn't. It's, they're, using per, they're using social media in, in, the, in the negative way, in a wrong way to sell themselves. So, but, they, but, you know, I, you can't stop them yeah, from doing but I that. Like but. The, I like the phrase, um, it's personal branding on steroids. <laughs> I like that one. <laughs> it is. It is. It's like, if you, if you, you know, don't do what they're doing. But if you did like 50% of that and you used it to uh, evangelize your company, that would be a, like a good use of, of social media, right? Like if you were just, not the, not the luxury stuff, but if you were posting constantly, if you were talking about the products or the services or the, or the types of pains your customer or your company solves, and you just continuously put that stuff out and you, you know, it helps if you have, if you're, you're charismatic, it helps if you have a personality, but if you don't, that's fine too. The, the goal is to just continuously put stuff out there. You can see how it works because the people that don't have experience in doing what they say they're doing are closing business and growing their business through social without experience. So imagine if you actually do have experience and you're using social that way, how incredible that could be for yourself or, or your business. Yeah. 100% agree, Scott. Um, so guys, if you want to learn more from Scott, um, you can listen to his podcast, the success story podcast. Um, you're talking about success stories um, with other entrepreneurs there. So it's mm -hmm. a great podcast. Um, if you guys want to follow him, what is your favorite LinkedIn, right? Uh, 
Yeah, LinkedIn. LinkedIn is where I, I, you know, that's where my that's where my tribe's at. But all of my social is uh, it's at SD Clary. Um, and I'm trying to grow YouTube as well. I put a lot of like business content, so like uh, education for sales, marketing. Um, I have some um, uh, again, YouTube is all free. So I have some other uh, tutorials from like other individuals that um, I've brought onto the channel as well. So if you want just sales and marketing topics, um, as well as of course all the podcasts are all on YouTube as well. That that would be cool. But it's also uh, at uh, SD Flurry. So that's the awesome. Channel, so we will put that all in the description. Um, so you, you guys have the direct links there. Is there anything you want to mention by the end of this episode, Scott? No, I think we uh, we did like a full 360. We went from like marketing to uh, to brand to enterprise to startups to social media to personal brand. We did a lot. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> I told really you, good. usually we are doing around 30 minutes. Um, yeah. But with you, I think I could talk around two more <laughs> two more hours <laughs> i'm sure i'm sure we could chat for a bit but... honestly yeah i think that we're we're kindred spirits and we we operate in the same spot in the same space so no nothing else to add but it was it was fun talking awesome to, uh, awesome uh, thanks for being here today thanks for sharing all that insights all the great tips uh with me and the audience and yeah wish you all the best for the future man um definitely let's stay in touch thanks man yeah, let's so do it. All hopefully, right. guys, Cheers. you liked that episode. And um, yeah, if you want to follow him, just do that. Um, you find all the uh, links in the description. And hopefully, you will be with us in the next episode. This is Ben. I wish you a great day. Bye bye. I know a lot of entrepreneurs listen to this show and NetSuite has been a huge supporter for entrepreneurs, for business owners, because there's one thing that we all know. Business is about making money and it's about your bottom line. And the less you spend on the nuts and bolts of running your business, the more profits you keep. But these days, everything is costing more. Supplies, people, shipping. It squeezes your margins. And I've been there juggling multiple systems for finance, inventory, you name it each with its own costs and its own set of headaches. That's why I made the switch to NetSuite by Oracle. It's changed our company. Think about it. NetSuite is one of the top financial systems out there. It puts your whole business on one platform, accounting, finance, the works, one data source for everyone. There's no more mismatched info. And because it's in the cloud, it slashes your IT costs. No more servers, no more updates. Just access NetSuite from anywhere. With one integrated suite, your overhead drops big time. And here's the real win. Efficiency. Everything's connected in NetSuite. Costs are ridiculous lately. Find a proven way to reduce your expenses and get better performance out of your team. It's a no-brainer, and that's what NetSuite offers. Over 37,000 companies have figured this out already. You have to join them. Right now, through to April 15th, NetSuite's got an incredible, flexible financing plan. Check it out and see the savings yourself at netsuite.com slash scottclary. That's netsuite.com slash scottclary. Hiring as a small business owner is a major pain. That's why LinkedIn is supporting today's episode. You need people with the right skills and experience, but finding them can take forever. It is incredibly frustrating to keep seeing candidates who just aren't a good fit, and that's why LinkedIn Jobs has been a game changer. Let me tell you a little story. We needed to hire a graphic designer, somebody with specific tech and software knowledge and the ability to truly understand our brand. And I started with all the usual job boards, and it's the same old story. Tons of irrelevant applications. No one's really matching my needs. 
I tried LinkedIn jobs and the quality of candidates was just on another level. People with impressive portfolios, relevant expertise. I finally felt like I was interviewing the right people. That's truly the power of LinkedIn's massive professional network. You're tapping into this huge pool of talent you simply wouldn't find on other sites. It's about finding those niche candidates you actually need. And with the right people in front of you, hiring becomes a breeze. Did you know that 86% of small businesses find a qualified candidate on LinkedIn jobs within 24 hours? That is how well their system works. Honestly, do yourself a favor and try LinkedIn jobs next time you're hiring. You can post your job for free at linkedin.com slash excellence. That's linkedin.com slash excellence. Terms and conditions apply, but it's definitely worth trying out. I don't know about you, but the idea of being harassed, scammed, or even worse, all because somebody found my personal information online, that's terrifying. Our political opinions, our addresses, even stuff about our families, it's out there for anyone to grab. And did you know that data brokers are allowed to sell information on over 98% of Americans? It's scary stuff. That's why I've partnered with Delete Me. I personally use Delete Me. They're a big friend of the podcast because I put myself out there online. So safety is a huge concern. It's really scary how easy it is to find someone's details and information. But Delete Me creates a layer of protection that we all need. You tell Delete Me what you want gone and they make it disappear from those sketchy data broker sites. And Delete Me doesn't stop. They constantly monitor the web to keep your information off those lists. It's like having a privacy watchdog that never sleeps. You need to take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me. They're giving a special discount for all Success Story podcast listeners. Get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeletemecom slash success and use promo code success at checkout. The only way to get 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com slash success and enter code success at checkout. J-O-I-N-D-E-L-E-T-E-M-E dot com slash success. Hey everyone, I just want to take a second and thank the sponsor of today's episode, Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond Bourbon. Now I don't have a lot of liquor sponsors on this show. Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond is actually one of my favorites. I've drank it for a few years now, and this is why we actually decided to work together. Heaven Hill Distillery, family-owned since 1935, is a great entrepreneur story, too. So there's five brothers. They filled their first whiskey barrels back in 1935, and their legacy still lives on today. Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond is aged over seven years. That's three more than required by the Bottled and Bond Act of 1897. This means the best quality, the best purity, and the best consistency. This is not just average bourbon. It's the winner of the double gold medals at multiple 2023 World Spirits competitions, and they've won the very prestigious Triple Still Award. It's a very big deal in the liquor and bourbon world. Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond boasts an exceptionally smooth oak flavor, while its aroma offers a sweet blend of caramel and smooth vanilla. If you love bourbon, you need to try Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond. Available nationally, look for a bottle at your local store. Heaven Hill reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Think back to your last few days in the office. Did any of them leave you feeling really accomplished? Not the kind of day where you're running around like crazy, but where you've made real progress on something that matters. Because being busy doesn't always mean being productive. And I bet you we've all been there. And maybe it's time to rethink what it means to get things done. 
Today's episode is sponsored by Belay. And what they help you do is, instead of getting sucked into emails and to-do lists, they help you delegate tasks and focus on big goals. They can connect you with top-notch US-based talent who are ready to take on those time-consuming tasks that bog you down. Let's be real. There are way more important things you could be doing than bookkeeping or wrangling a packed inbox. They have virtual assistants to handle all of those pesky administrative tasks or accounting professionals to take care of all your financials. But here's the best part. You don't have to waste weeks searching for the right person. Belay's personalized matching service works quickly, sometimes matching you with the right talent to take stuff off your plate in under a week. Are you ready to try a different way of working? Check out Belay's list of the top 25 things you can delegate to a virtual assistant. It might just change your business and your life. Text SUCCESS, that's S-U-C-C-E-S-S, to 55123 to get the list and to start transforming your to-do list with Belay. 